Hello, friends, and welcome. Glad to have you with us. Uh, thanks for watching. Thanks for listening. So today I've been uh, really looking forward to because we have a special guest joining us on our program. And I have a co-host today, Dr. Nick Sterling, MD, PhD. Uh, we happen to be related. And um, it's, it's, I, I'm really looking forward to hosting this with you, Nick, because um, we, we know the value of, uh, which we'll be talking about, of the topic we're going to share. So my guest today is the co-founder and the CRO of a company called Pinoy, Pinoy Services. His name is Apostoles, and Apostoles, it's really good to have you with us. Thank you so much for taking the time to join. Absolutely, Carl. Thank you so much for the invitation, uh, Nick. Uh, I'm uh, super excited that uh, you know we're going to touch these topics uh, together, and we're going to. We're cover. excited to have you. And I, I just before um, Nick leads off with a question here, I just want to say that right here in my clinic we have the Pinoy system. There it is. Yes. We, yes. We. We use it a lot, and we have a bunch scheduled for next week. Uh, basically, what we're talking about is a volume oxygen max test and also a resting test. So VO2 max, if you've ever heard of that, for those watching and listening, um, has a lot of different metrics that it can measure. Um, this system goes further, though, in the metrics than your standard system. And what I also love is the um, the, the resting option that we can actually rest metrics or measure metrics at rest and um we'll talk about this in a, in a little while when i kind of tell about my experience with it but this has been a completely the number one game-changing set of data for us to have so that i can intervene as a therapist a movement specialist a trainer whatever you call me so i can come at come at people with the best possible intervention. So thanks for founding this company, Apostolis. <laughs> and thanks making for, it affordable. Uh, trusting us, Carl. Thanks, thanks for trusting us. Yeah, yeah, thanks us for making it affordable. It I've, I've been to South Carolina with it. I've been to Mexico with it. You know, it's cool. Yeah. So Nick, go ahead. Take the lead. Yeah, it is really an incredible um, system. So, um, so kind of to maybe introduce listeners to to what vo2 max is and this whole concept of uh utilizing gas exchange uh measurements to figure out what's going on with your metabolism um there are certain metrics that you can extract um using a mask and looking at how gases are exchanged um, in the body and look at what goes in and what comes out and that tells you a lot about how you burn fuel and what uh, metabolic substrates you use. It also tells you a lot about your fitness level. And so what Apostolos has done is he's taken an incredibly expensive um, uh, test that used to be exclusive um, to top athletes and has really brought it um, to um, everyday individuals. Um, so Apostolos, I just want to first ask you, what what was your journey? You know, what uh, what caused you to found this uh, company uh, and, and really what was that like? When, uh, when I started Pinoe in 2016, um, I was uh, essentially, I, 
uh, I was studying engineering, I was studying nanotechnology, and then I started a PhD in sensing technologies uh, in Cambridge. And at the time, I was super intrigued by uh, breath analysis. There was a conference where I heard that every single biomarker that uh, exists in our blood, it has, let's call it a thousand biomarker that could be found uh, in our breath. So I really started looking into the space of breath analysis. And there are many challenges in breath analysis. In many cases, it's very challenging to detect these biomarkers because they can be found in parts per million, parts per trillion, like super, super difficult sensing. Uh, however, it turns out that metabolic testing, which is the resting metabolic rate and exercise testing, is uh, has very proven biomarkers. We need to detect oxygen and carbon dioxide in human breath. And this is how I was really introduced uh, in the space. Uh, also, you know, I was always into, uh, into sports. I was, um, uh, as a, you know, uh, at a younger age, I was semi-professional, semi, you know, uh, 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 I was kind of competing in windsurfing. So I was really into, into sports and I completely started resonating with, uh, uh with the value of metabolic analysis, uh, when, I understood that uh, just by analyzing oxygen and CO2 from human breath, we can understand, we can measure our metabolism, how many calories we burn during the day, understand uh, uh, the substrates that we're using, uh, whether we are burning fats or carbs, uh, you know, the VO2 max, all these super important vitals could be just measured from our breath. So at the time, I co-founded uh, the company with uh, Panos, Panos Papadiamatis, my co-founder, and we started our, uh, our journey. Uh, since great. then, it's, you know, it's, uh, it's great that the space is constantly evolving. So there is a lot of knowledge that is always coming up about the value of metabolic analysis, about, you know, why... Uh, we we understand better and better the value of you two marks and there is constantly more awareness around these uh, uh these these vitals so this is how pinoe started yeah. uh and uh, yeah the past was, um so yeah i i wonder uh what is your experiences with uh talking to fitness versus medical people about uh, Pinoy VO2 max, because if I kind of rewind to medical school, you're sitting in a lecture, you know, for however many years, and I don't think I recall ever a time that they measured VO2 max, uh, maybe once or twice, but this is potentially one of the most uh, valuable metrics that we have in terms of gauging people's, um, you know, health span and, and ability to maintain their independence. Do you find that, um, that health professions are becoming more aware of it or is there still a huge gap between where the fitness industry and medical communities are yeah um that's uh that's a that's a good question so i would say that uh, we see that over the years uh, awareness is uh, picking up 
but uh, like if you, you if we were to look at our user base a third let's you know very roughly a third of our user base is in fitness and a third of our user base is you know businesses in wellness and a third uh, of our businesses are in in the medical space so definitely there there are uh, uh, yeah definitely there are uh, doctors out there that uh, are using uh, metabolic analysis both the resting and the exercise test for their patients and it makes a lot of sense given i mean and this these are things that we will discuss today but yeah. there is solid evidence that view two max is probably the strongest predictor for human longevity so it makes a ton of sense to to look and and it's not only view two max right like uh, a pnoe test would reveal 23 biomarkers of human physiology and uh, based on this we would provide personalized recommendations on the nutrition on the workout and the overall wellness and longevity strategy for our users uh so there is a lot of value in this non-invasive test that unlike other methods uh, such as blood analysis provides instant results now, you know, when I, you go what? to when you when you go to the doctor, uh, sorry about that. I didn't yeah, interrupt yeah, you. It's fine. It's all good. When you go to the doctor and sit down, um, you know, you get your heart rate measured, you get your blood pressure measured, they take your temperature, maybe they take your oxygen saturation. I, for the last couple of years, have felt that VO two max should be an additional vital sign, or at least considered to be, you know, an extremely important metric that we we get on everybody in track. I'm wondering, uh, Apostolos, can you kind of break down why that is? And can you maybe go into the details about what happens as we age, um, how this, uh, you know, VO2 max, uh, that metric, as well as the other ones um, that are measured by the system, why are, the, why are they important? Uh, like what happens to them as we age and um, what, are, what are we looking for? Absolutely, absolutely. So let me start with vo2 max like vo2 max is actually one of the 23 biomarkers that we measure uh so i totally agree that it should be a vital sign measured and tracked over time it's uh the it's something that we understand very well i mean there is uh, solid evidence out there uh that if someone increases his VO2 max, and uh, we can discuss how you can improve your VO2 max, usually by training, but if someone improves his VO2 max by just one met, which is a small, which is the unit that VO2 max is measured, we decrease the all-cause mortality risk by 13 to 15%, which is wow. huge. Uh, also, we know that over time, uh, after, th uh, after uh, the third decade or the fourth decade of our lives, VO2 max starts decreasing by 10% uh, uh, every, every, uh, every decade. Uh, if someone is sedentary uh, or if someone is active, it could decrease by a rate of 5%. It has to do uh, with the fact that <clears throat> our stroke volume uh, decreases uh, over time and also our maximum heart rate decreases mm -hmm. over time. However, 
we can nearly we, we can substantially slow down the rate that our VO2 max decreases if we stay active, right? So let's assume that uh, someone is active and his VO2 max is decreasing by 5% uh, every decade in order and this is like a very interesting concept so in order to have you know uh, a, a quality uh like in order to have to be independent uh, uh, during your elder part of your life uh we know that uh, the vo2 max needs to be above 18. uh if someone wants to you know at uh, at his 80s to to be able to do activities like uh you know uh walking pretty comfortably maybe walking at a fast pace be able to carry some stuff uh you know uh walk up and down and stir uh view two max needs to be around 25 um, or you know mid 20s uh, low 30s so by reverse engineering this number to today we can see that the person who is generally active uh, at his 30s needs to have a, a vo2 max of 50 to 55 uh, and make sure that uh, he remains somehow active for the remaining of his life uh, and this is a great way of protecting your future self uh, in order to be independent and be able to do some things when when you grow older so uh view to max is a way uh, of us understanding uh and assessing our lifestyle uh so i totally agree with you nick that it's something that not only needs to be measured but it needs to be tracked over time I love that um, future self, the idea of investing in your future self, right? And if you're looking back in time, asking yourself, you know, looking at your past self, what would you have done for your future self today? I love that concept. Can you maybe explain to the listeners, um, when we're talking about VO2 max, we kind of have a sense of what we're talking about. And although there are some technicalities to that term, can you just describe maybe for the audience in simple terms, like what is VO2 max actually measuring? Absolutely. So it's uh, the maximum rate that uh, we can consume oxygen at peak exercise. Uh, and uh, we, in order to be, you know, so in order to be able to compare apples with apples, we divide this number with body weight. Uh, and this is the VO2 max number for an individual. Uh, now, there are VO2 max, although there are several genetic reasons uh, to the VO2 max of an individual, there are, it's, it's something that we can significantly change with our lifestyle. Uh, and it's something that we've seen with our users. If we are very strategic in the way that we train, and we make sure that we spend an X amount of time at, you know, uh, a given intensity every week. This is how we essentially increase our VO2 max. And our VO2 max could be increased a lot. It could be increased, studies show an increase from 20% to 
all the way to really doubling the value of VO2 max. And several of these studies are somehow limited because they uh, monitor a small period of like, these studies are usually done within three months, maybe six months. So it's very likely that VO2 max could be increased even more if someone is consistent with his training for two years or three years. This is very difficult to monitor uh, in a study. That's very interesting. I wonder uh, what kind of components um, are responsible for increasing VO2 max. I, I'm specifically thinking about a twin study where they took two genetically identical twins um, and they compared their VO2 and max. One of them had done uh, Ironman triathlons and um, was a, an aerobic endurance athlete, um, essentially since the time he was 18 until mid thirties. And the other had stopped activity at the age of 18. They had profoundly different uh, muscle fiber type distributions, um, like strikingly different. Um, the aerobically active twin had a lot of uh, slow twitch predominance. For example, if I recall, and I could be misquoting this study, uh, pretty sure stroke volume also had a significant difference. Uh, what other kind of components can, uh, like when we're training, what is that training effect doing? Is it, are there other parameters aside from stroke volume, muscle fiber distribution that, that are changing, that are, that are contributing to increasing your VO2 max? Yeah, so definitely uh, if we have more muscles, uh, we utilize more oxygen. So definitely there is uh, a correlation there. Uh, and it has to do also with the training, like pushing our uh, ourselves when we train uh, in, in such a way that we reach our peak. But... Uh, you don't always have to be at your peak. Like there are other ways that you can increase your VO2 max. I mean, we know that most endurance uh, athletes would spend 60, 70 or 80% of their time at the so-called zone two. Mm. Zone two is, is another, uh, 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 something else that uh, a Pinoy test would reveal. It's essentially this intensity. Uh, it's, it's a given heart rate range that when we, train at this intensity, we uh, utilize the maximum amount of fats versus carbs. We're really utilizing fat as a fuel source. And it's an intensity that we can sustain for uh, a long period of time. It's, it's an intensity that, for example, when you're running at your zone two, you may be comfortably talking, you know, chatting with a friend while you're running or speaking on the phone. It's, it's a very pleasant and low intensity uh, modality of exercise, which has some massive benefits. So when you're training at your zone two, you're kind of building a big base. Like if there is this concept that, you know, there is this pyramid, right? And the peak of the pyramid is the VO2 max. When you increase the base of this pyramid, you also create a taller peak. So even when you train at your zone two, you kind of increase uh, uh, your VO2 max. Another super efficient way of increasing your VO2 max 
is to do personalized high intensity interval interval training so this could be uh there are different ways that you can do this but again a pnoe test would reveal your zone two and your zone five which are two different intensities for your exercise and you need to do protocols where you spend one minute at your zone five this is like your peak intensity followed by four minutes at your zone two again zone five zone two and you kind of repeat this for 30 40 minutes so this personalized intensity uh because if we take a Pinoy test we will see that you know our zone twos and our zone fives would be different so uh we by really tailoring your workout to your zones you can make sure that you get the maximum benefit and you really increase your vo2 max we've seen through the vo2 max on the pinoe test we measure the biological age uh it's very reasonable to say that given that vo2 max is the strongest predictor of human longevity we are calculating the biological age of an individual and what's great is that we can significantly improve our biological age like we really don't affect the number that uh the candles have on the birthday cake but we can significantly uh improve our biological age so we've seen uh, cases where users reverse their biological age by six or seven years in just a couple of months mm -hmm. by really being strategic with their workout uh, I'm a big believer that, you know, this phrase is like no pains and no gains are, you know, these are so, so outdated and so untrue. Like it's all about doing it correctly. And it's, it's all about doing data driven, uh, uh, being very, very data driven in your nutrition, in your workout and in your wellness and your longevity. I want to jump in for one minute. Uh, if you don't mind, I, I want to say um, I'm excited because next week I'm going to redo my resting and my VO2 test because the max test because I want to see how I've improved since late June, early July because I've been working really hard. I just want to know, but I want to track this progress and I have a, a bunch of clients about ready in the next two to three weeks to also redo theirs. So I want to track theirs Amazing. as well. So I like having the first-hand experience of having my own baseline measurement from the Pinoy analytics and all the metrics that are offered um, because it's helped me to intervene with my training better. And more important is my clients. I can I can dial in uh, and we can put these in, um, add these in so people can look at some of the metrics that are offered as far as and what, what are measured but it's so great when we have uh something like you know aerobic capacity or uh during a moving test cognition and breathing because that's that can be a really interesting outcome there sometimes uh, and it might be completely different than cognition during um a resting test right yeah. so what's going on well with each of these metrics uh people will see that when when they get their tests 
everything that's measured, it says what it is and how it's measured, which I love because this answers those questions. And in an ex it, it will suggest exercise, nutrition, and lifestyles um, suggestions, I should say, to help improve each metric. In addition to the summary at the end of each test and overall, where to spend your time in working out, how, how, what percentage comes from zone two, zone five, and, and resistance training, um, where your calories should come from in grams, how much you're burning each day when you work out, when you don't work out, what percentage of calories. I, I wasn't eating much protein or carbs when I did my first tests, and I knew I wasn't, and I just knew it wouldn't be good. I bet you this time would be better. And just the last thing I want to say here is what you're saying, Apostoles, is uh, what I also hear from people like Dr. Peter Atia, who you, you and I were talking about him yesterday, and Nick and I follow him as well. Atia is coming out with some um, beautiful information, research, uh, Andrew Huberman, a lot of other ones out there. VO2 max test, VO2 score has a high, high, high value of being a predictor of your best predictor of longevity. But if the t outcome isn't good, the beauty of it is it's not a death sentence. It's not like you're going to expire next year. I mean, we can intervene now more effectively than ever before with what to do based on your data, your results. I have to add one more thing is that what I love is that we have a choice of equipment to use and four different levels of intensity to test within or from so that for anyone who might be listening who thinks vo2 max test is always on a treadmill and it's going to kill you because you just have to kill yourself that's actually not how it works not with the panoy services and i love that because then we could get more people engaged and getting measured and getting an intervention that's effective Absolutely, absolutely. And we do, a, like many of our clients, uh, do also submax tests. And through our algorithms, we kind of uh, were able to extrapolate the peak. Uh, Interesting. But uh, apart can, from the... Yeah, sorry. sorry can you tell us more you, about that, actually? Because that that's probably is, maxing out a patient on a treadmill, for example, or anywhere to do that in a primary care office uh, or any medical office, I think people are, are afraid of that. Uh, so can you tell us more about that? How you uh, how a submaximal test can be extrapolated? Yes, absolutely. So uh, essentially by reaching 60% uh, of your max, uh, because we, uh, we have a large database of tests, so we're able to kind of train our algorithm. Uh, we're able to predict the evolution of the test. Of course, you know, it's it's a prediction. It's not uh, the actual VO2 max, but still, uh, it's uh, very, very important because if you think about it for the everyday person, uh, I mean, it's important to know uh, his VO2 max uh, and be able to track it over time. If it's, uh, you know, if it's either 44 or 45, it doesn't make a massive difference. 
it's important to be able to kind of, uh, you know, uh, approach the number very closely. And this is what we do with this extrapolation. Of, of course, if someone wants to measure his exact value, he needs to do a full-blown test. But even from the sub-max, there is, there is a massive value. Uh, and also, I mean, apart from the exercise test that we're talking, the vast majority of our users are just doing the resting test. And from the resting test, we're able to understand very important things about the metabolism. How many calories someone is burning during the day? What is the ideal breakdown of macronutrients that they need to eat based on their metabolism, based on the metabolic fingerprint that we measured? Uh, we can identify, uh, Carl, what you said earlier, some breathing limitations. How our breathing affects our posture, how our breathing affects our uh, cognition. I mean, there are thousands of breaths that we take every day. Clearly, these breaths affect uh, the way we think, the way we stand. And this is what uh, we quantify during the test. And uh, uh, also, very importantly, we can see things about the heart, about the lungs, just from the resting test. So... Uh, and also we've seen that because this was another, like if we were to look at the milestones of our company, obviously like creating a portable device was an important milestone, but uh, we believe that what is equally important is to have created a complete ecosystem of services that follows the test. We don't just provide uh, a metabolic device. We provide an infrastructure that the business owner can really utilize to create, uh, to, to provide a complete experience, a complete service to upsell this uh, to his clients. So when the test is completed, we get the data over the cloud. Uh, our AI analyzes the data and we provide the reports uh, to to the business owner who then provides it to his clients. And then we can do uh, a consultation call. It's a 30 minute Zoom call with a metabolic expert from our team uh, who really explains the actionable insights derived from the test. Because what we've seen is that data are great, but what is even more important is what to do this data. Mm -hmm. So we, re we make sure that we provide the actionable insights, we really connect the dots between the habits of our users and their scores and what they need to change, which takes place during a consultation call with an expert. So even if, uh, you know, the business owner is not very familiar with metabolic testing, uh, he can utilize our device, he can utilize our infrastructure to provide uh, a top quality consultation uh, to the patient. And in many cases, we, and this is the, the, the last step uh, of the, the final pillar of our ecosystem, uh, our team of nutritionists can prepare a fully personalized nutrition plan that's based on the food preferences, the habits, and of course, on the metabolic fingerprint that we measured during the test for, for the patient. I love it. Just gonna say, I've had a lot of people go for the consult call, and um, some have gone for the nutrition plan. Everybody's happy because the data they get is the best. 
it's just it's really nothing helps more the hardest i think behavior wise and i'm talking about myself included here one of the hardest things to change is eating habits but to have the guideline put in front of you with the data to support you know where you're at and uh, you know what do you want to do to get that score up what do you want to do to you know whatever your goals are it's a perfect piece of the puzzle to put into the equation because it's so relevant the nutrition part i'm talking about so it's really really great i can't say enough good about it just so you know i can't say enough good it's the most valuable tool we have that provides in my opinion the highest value data that we can possibly get carl thank you your kind words you know mean a lot uh uh, uh it means a lot and uh, you touched a very important subject there on on, on the nutrition um we've seen indeed changing nutrition habits is is not easy uh but educating patients on how to eat well uh we believe that this is very important we've seen that in many cases uh users were under eating their calories and they did like cycles of under eating followed by cycles of overeating so they were slowing down their metabolism then they were eating excessive calories so really understanding how your metabolism works how your body works what what you need to do because you know this this idea that you really need to starve during a diet this you know this does not exist you just need to to you like everything you just need to have a strategy of how to do it and go from point a to point b in a straight line and such data can really help in this direction absolutely that's a really Absolutely. interesting point, Apostolos. Um, one thing I, that you just touched on that a lot of people don't know is that when they change their diet and let's say they go on a weight loss program uh, or there are some other different things that can do this, that in fact, most people who will go on a weight loss program uh, via diet will actually end up slowing their metabolism. And that's normal. That's that's not necessarily um, an alarming thing, uh, but it's it's widely known and it's called metabolic adaptation. Right. So metabolic adaptation is uh, the reduction in calories that you burn per day as a result of restricting calorie intake. And it's thought um, it's a pretty controversial area of research. Um, there are many people who think that the degree of metabolic adaptation that you have um, uh, is related to your, your risk of regaining that weight once you've lost it. So in other words, someone who slows down their metabolism a ton might be at higher risk of regaining the weight that they've lost um, because as soon as they start to introduce food back in more calories back into their uh, into their life they're going to pack um, pack on, on the weight again um, so now that's a controversial um, uh, area of research there's a lot of disagreement but I'm just curious to know uh, nobody seems to know how to deal with that problem there the there are some people who propose a staircase or reintroduction uh, of uh, calories, um, but none of what I have heard so far is data-driven really at all. And I'm just curious to know, uh, do you think that gas exchange and um, estimating you know, calories burned per day and kind of being able to keep track of that, keep track of fuel partitioning, 
can you see a role for that um, in this problem as, as people go from a weight loss program into more of a weight maintenance program? Uh, can you can you have you explored roles for that? Absolutely, that's 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 a great question and it's a very important uh, uh, subject. Uh, unfortunately, the vast majority of diets fail because of what you just explained, Nick. So, what we've seen and what has been thoroughly studied in the literature is that as we lose weight, if it's if the weight is not lost in a sustainable way our metabolism drops. And this has to do with the fact that we lose muscle mass. And this is the problem and the key to the solution. So the only way to reverse this metabolic slowdown is to make sure that you minimize or even increase, uh, you minimize your muscle loss or even increase your uh, muscle mass during a weight loss program by doing resistance training, by eating the right amount of protein, by having you know a, a good recovery, and this would essentially be a kind of a force that will accelerate the metabolism because we know for a fact that one gram of muscle mass is burning three times more calories than one gram of fat. Mm -hmm. So we can, like in an ideal scenario of weight recomposition, when we change, like let's assume that someone has the same body weight and he decreases his body fat percentage by 10% and increases his muscle mass. So he replaces fat with muscles. It's not so simple, but you know, for the sake of of the hypothesis so in such a in this case this individual will have uh, a higher metabolism a faster metabolism when he has more muscle mass so and this is something that we really take into account when we prescribe nutrition and uh, you know workout and overall wellness recommendations uh to to the patients of our of our affiliates, to the users of our affiliates. So there are several factors like training and maintaining muscle mass is definitely very important. The caloric deficit needs to be limited, like doing a crash diet would definitely slow down the metabolism. So it needs to be done in a sustainable way. And uh, the protein intake needs to be at a high level in order to make sure that muscle is being, uh, that again, uh, uh, someone does not lose muscle mass. We've seen that these are the major, the major drivers. Of course, there are other hormonal components mm -hmm. that we don't really control, but all of these things are things that we can control with our habits. Yeah, uh, like thyroid suppression, for example, or suppression yeah. of yeah, uh, metabolic rate via more of a central uh, mechanism, right? Um, that's really interesting. I wonder, um, one thing, I, and I, I'm a little new to uh, gas exchange um, uh, as, as a technique. Is there a way to measure someone's metabolic rate 
um, via, uh, via gas exchange, or is it more really that you're trying to look at fuel partitioning? Oh, absolutely. We, in fact, gas exchange is the gold standard way of measuring the metabolism and the energy expenditure of an individual. Uh, and through the Pnoe report, we will tell to the to to our users how much how many calories they're burning on a daily basis, and also where they rack and stack uh, when compared to uh, other users with similar demographics. So, in other words, we will tell them if their metabolism is faster or slower than than expected. That's fascinating. I wonder. I wonder if there's almost a role. Um, for predicting someone's risk of weight regain um, with this technique. For example, like this is a huge, as I'm sure you know, this is a huge problem with the GLP-1 receptor agonists like, um, like semaglutide uh, and some, especially some of the newer uh, medications that are coming out that combine GLP-1 uh, GIP receptor agonists. Uh, we're seeing even more muscle loss with those drugs, potentially more muscle uh, loss with those drugs. And we can see those in the, the clinical trials. Um, so I wonder, you know, if someone loses weight on these drugs or via diet, uh, diet and exercise and, um, you know, if they had had their uh, uh, VO2 max taken by by a doctor, their doctor, um, and they, they have it taken again after they wait, uh, lose this weight, maybe it's a predictive marker for weight regain. Yeah, so first of all, many of our affiliates are combining uh, such drugs with uh, uh, personalized training and nutrition uh, in order to avoid the weight regain, uh, essentially, and in order to make sure that the body is constantly adapting to the new, uh, to the new version of itself. Mm -hmm. So... Um, and also there are other biomarkers that we measure that could be linked with weight regain risks. Uh, the substrate utilization, if someone is burning primarily carbs rather than fats at rest, this is linked uh, in the literature to a higher risk of weight regain. Really? And Yes, wow. yes. And to uh, also a higher risk for... Uh, uh, diabetes and uh, metabolic disorders. So simply because the RER, uh, which is what we measure the ratio of uh, CO2 to oxygen in our breath, is also not directly correlated to glucose, but is very closely linked to glucose. So it's, it's not a surprise that all these things are connected. Gentlemen, That's I'm going to jump in for one minute. Only because in two minutes or so, a little over two minutes, we're going to be having to end, which leads me to an idea of having part two at some point in the very near future, because we're starting to get Absolutely. into really cool, cool meat and potatoes here. Like this is the beef and I love it. Um, Absolutely. However, with just a little under two minutes to go, I want to say, first of all, Apostles, thank you so much for joining me. Nick, thanks for co-hosting with me. And do either of you gentlemen have anything more you want to say before we get cut off? Uh, Carl, thank you so much. Uh, and Nick, thank you so much for the invitation. It was a pleasure. It was an honor. And absolutely, let's do part two in a couple of months to see also so you can share uh, 
the results from your second tests and uh, you know all yeah. the, all this progress. And for our listeners, if they want to learn more about Pinoe, yeah. they could uh, check our website pinoe.com. That's www.pnoe.com. That's perfect. Yeah, I'm glad you said that because I want to make sure people know how to learn more, um, find out more, contact you, and you know get going with it. So as a yeah, practitioner over okay. here, I'm just going to say anyone in the business of doing what I do here, you know, whether it's personal training or physical therapy or medical profession, look into this, look into it. It's an amazing product. Next. Yeah. And Apostolos, thank you for, thank you for uh, doing this. This is a great example of, you know, really a, a game changing um, technology coming through entrepreneurship. Thanks. I thank, love it. Thank you, Nick. All right, Thanks. gentlemen. So well, to be continued. Talk to you soon, guys. Part, part two coming soon. And thanks again, gentlemen. We'll be in touch. Have a great day. Thank you. Bye.